What challenges and opportunities exist for brands working with global influencers on social media? I'm Po Yi, a partner in Manette's advertising, marketing, and media practice, and this is Perfect Balance, an advertising law podcast from Manette. The World Cup, one of the biggest global events that draws billions of viewers from around the world, just ended with a thrilling final that will surely be talked about for years to come. While the World Cup final featured the two best players in the world, one who has dominated soccer for much of his storied career, and one who many believe will be his successor, the four-week tournament has also catapulted some of the lesser-known players into global fame. For these players, the lift they got from their World Cup appearance in their career is much more than playing for more desirable professional teams. Their global fame means they are also more attractive to global brands wanting to tap into these up-and-coming players' growing fan base, especially if they are active on social media. However, leveraging the fame and broad audience of global stars, whether they're athletes, pop stars, film actors, or influencers, in cross-border campaigns can be complicated and full of potential legal risks. Because each country has its own set of laws that apply to social media marketing, and brands are subject to the laws of every country where they conduct such marketing activities. To explore some of the legal issues and risks in running global social media marketing campaigns, I invited Carolina Pina from Spain and Santiago Marquez from Colombia to join me in today's episode. Carolina is a co-head of the IP department at Garigues, the largest law firm in the European Union with offices in 12 countries. Santiago is a partner at Marquez Robledo, a leading boutique entertainment, IP, and advertising law firm for the Latin American markets. Carolina and Santiago, welcome. Hi, Paul. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you, Paul. Nice to be here. In the U.S., each individual has a right to control the use of the individual's name, likeness, or persona, which is commonly known as a right of publicity. The scope of right of publicity protections in the U.S. differs by state. Some are based on state statutes, and some are based on common law. However, these laws generally require the consent of the individual whose persona is used for commercial purposes, for example, to promote a brand or product. This general rule applies to the use of the individual's name and likeness on social media, so that a brand could be subject to legal exposure if it reposts, shares, or promotes a social media post of an individual without getting the individual's consent. Do you have similar laws in Latin America, Santiago? Yes, Paul. We have similar laws, but we have a very important difference with the U.S. approach. Normally, in Latin American countries, we have a civil approach where what you call the publicity right is understood as a personal right. So more like the persona you, you mentioned, very similar as Warren and Brian's like privacy law, where there is a fundamental right in all aspects of the human being. So the name, uh, the voice, the image, yes, but also it has an economical part that is considered a property right. So we have both aspects. And we have a third one that is of very big importance today, is that the image of the person is considered a biometric data. So it is also covered by privacy and data rules and laws. So this is very, very important in many countries. We have that approach, as, as I told you, 
but we have more a personal right than an economical right, but we still have it, yes. That's really interesting. We also have biometric data laws in the U.S., but we don't think of them in the context of publicity rights. How do these biometric data laws apply to the use of a person's image in marketing? That's a very good question because we should understand that it has different purposes. When you're talking about data and when you're talking about the image of a person, for example, for publicity. But as our judges and lawmakers have not divided correctly, when you are negotiating, for example, the usage of somebody's image, you have to include both of them. So you include the publicity right and you include the privacy issues for the data. And you have to include all the how you're going to treat the data, how you're going to capture it, voice, the image, and everything. So it's a very important aspect of our image rights, let's say so. Carolina, how are image rights treated in Europe? We do have rights of publicity. However, there is not a unitary regulation. And therefore, it depends on each jurisdiction. Therefore, there is not one single law covering the 27 European countries. And we do have to analyze country per country, which makes some campaigns uh, more difficult to handle. Like Santiago mentioned, in Spain, it is also a personality right, which means that it is a fundamental right and has very wide protection. It's a right of property, but it is also protected as a personality right. It can cover voice, name, and likeness and every sign that can evoke the celebrity of the person. And the protection is the same for every single person. Of course, the damages will depend on the reputation of the person, but the legal framework is completely the same for every human being in Europe. Like in uh, in Latin America, it is also part of the personal data meaning that the GDPR, which is the European regulation, will also apply to image rights and it has to be considered for any contract and also in any use because the fines may be very high in Europe. You raise an interesting point that the protection of image rights applies to everyone, regardless of the celebrity of the individual, but the damages will depend on the reputation of the person. This is also true in the U.S. Santiago, what about in Latin America? Yes, that's a very important issue. It's also the same, but we have another difference. is that as it is considered a constitutional fundamental right, you have another type of action if you are just exercising your your right because not your publicity right because of your constitutional rights so you could have for example in colombia what is called tutela that is a preferential action that should be decided in a couple of hours the judge has to decide in 48 hours the action because it's a constitutional right but if you are a very famous singer that's not the action you should go through. Why? Because that preferential action doesn't have the possibility to reclaim damages. So if you're a renowned person, you normally go by a civil action or unfair competition. So in everybody has them, but you decide depending on what type of action you want, the velocity, the type of claims and damages you want, how to go and how to, to initiate a legal lawsuit or suit. Now, with this background, let's consider a hypothetical social post and see how the laws of different countries would apply. 
a well-known tennis player from Colombia posts a picture of herself on Instagram having an energy drink as she waits to play her next match in Spain. This tennis player has an active social presence and has millions of followers from around the world, including the U.S., Spain, and Colombia. The company is located in the U.S., but its products are sold worldwide. The company would like to share the organic post made by the tennis player, but does not have an endorsement deal with her. What legal risk does the company face if it were to actually repost or regram the tennis player's post to the company's own social media account? In the U.S., the tennis player would potentially have a right of publicity claim, among other claims, against the energy drink maker. Yes, we consider that the energy drink company could also have liabilities in some Latin American countries. Reposting, because it's very different when a person in his day-by-day as free speech posts his personal social media, but when a brand in his official channel posts something that is normally understood as advertisement. And the treatment is very different, even though both are free speech, the treatment is different. So if a brand, if this energy beverage company is going to repost, it could have liabilities for publicity right. It could have an unfair competition. And it could also have many other issues, including, for example, in some Latin American countries, energy beverages have a special regulation because of the amount of caffeine they have. So every type of advertisement has to be pre-approved by an authority like the FDA. So if that is understood as advertisement, they would have breached the law. Also, it cannot be, for example, intended or directed for persons under the age of 14. Also, some FDA-type institutions have considered that it shouldn't be linked with athletes because an energy drink is not a beverage directed for athletes because of all the health issues that could have. So the possible problems that a company could have not only are related with publicity right, but with regulatory issues of food and the advertisement issue for pre-authorization. So Santiago, You're saying that in Latin America, the initial organic post that was made by the tennis player with no connection whatsoever to the energy drink maker would be considered an ad from the company and subject to unfair competition and regulatory laws simply by the fact of the company reposting it? Yes, it could, because even though in advertisement, there's a principle that is called the the unity of the advertisement that doesn't apply to consumers. The consumer, when they see, for example, the post of the energy drink company, they don't immediately know that it's not an advertisement. They see it and they see a brand and they see it in the official channel of the brand. So they presume it's advertisement. The normal consumer doesn't have the ability or doesn't want to have the ability of determining if A or B is advertisement. They just receive a product or a service with a brand and now with an athlete, that is very common. So it's possible that they immediately will receive it as an advertisement. So they change the way they consume this product and probably go on and buy it. But when they see it from the athlete alone, possibly they will think the same. But as you told us, the athlete has not been paid. 
there is not an agreement within the company, so he shouldn't have, let's say, any like any direct liability because of this. But it's totally different when the company makes it, and that's where liabilities start to grow because of the day-to-day -day manage of the social media that people repost. It's not the same reposting in my Facebook or whatever than in a company's official channel. Carolina, are there similar risks in Spain for the company in my hypothetical? Yeah, in Spain will be uh, quite similar because uh, if it is the company, the one that repost the content, it will be considered advertising and therefore it will require express consent from the tennis player. And basically, she will be entitled to request an injunction to discontinue the campaign. It continues using the picture and all unfactual damages. Just to remark that uh, in general in Europe, we do not have punitive damages and the criteria will be to request what we call reasonable license. Basically, the consideration that the company would have had to pay to make this repost under license. I assume that there are regulatory concerns with respect to the energy drinks as well. Indeed, there is a European regulation regarding functional food. And if claims are included, it will require a prior authorization. And also, the claim has to be completely confirmed by facts. Otherwise, it will be considered uh, misleading and it will face uh, liability. Let's continue with my hypothetical. Knowing that there could be right of publicity problems, the energy drink maker contacts a tennis player and signs her up as a spokesperson in the U.S. After the deal is closed, the tennis player posts another picture of herself holding the energy drink in her hand after a tennis practice in Miami and tags the energy drink maker's Instagram account. Unlike the previous organic post, this time the company does not repost this to the company's account. In the U.S., both the company and the tennis player could be held liable if the tennis player does not disclose a commercial relationship between her and the company in her post. Is there a similar disclosure requirement in Latin America and Europe for the tennis player's organic post? Latin American countries have very strong consumer protection laws. They are very strong, very, very strong, and of course, protecting consumers. And this type of laws normally are very clear that all information given to consumers in advertisement has to be extremely clear, has to be uh, straightforward, has to be in the language of the domicile, for example, if it's in Latin America, well, normally it would be in Spanish, etc. Some countries have put in some guidance for influencer issues, and the guidance have said that when two different issues concur, the influencer, the athlete, or whatever, has to inform its relation with the brand. The two issues are, first, payment what you call consideration, any type of payment that is given to that person. And the second one, that the brand has what is called editorial control. For example, timing, what type of language should be included, uh, phrases, everything. If both concur, it is understood as advertisement and it should be disclosed that there is a sponsorship. So let's say some of the issues start. You open some of the apps and you get included because of the app, because of the tool, paid partnership with, but that's in English. And a very big amount or percentage of Latin American persons don't speak English. So probably they won't understand. 
and there's a law mandate that says that it has to be in Spanish. So probably that wouldn't fulfill the law obligation. So again, to answer your question, if both items or, or both situations concur, in this case, the athlete should disclose its partnership. And if he doesn't do it, this completely unites with Carolina just said, is that the athlete could be considered a media company and have the responsibility of media. And in other cases, it could even be considered not even the media, but the company itself. So if the athlete doesn't tell that he or she is uh, making advertisements, so he or she could have responsibility as media or as a producer of the energy brand. So the importance of making the knowledge to people that it's an uh, advertisement is very important, especially to influencers. So, so they don't have a so bigger, big responsibility. What about the energy drink maker? Would the company have any liability? Yes, the company could have it also. If, for example, they are misleading consumers, they are not informing. So, so uh, they could be misleading, and it could, and it could be uh, considered as as a misleading advertisement. So, it's it's important that both company and athlete or influencer, whatever it is, work in a very let's say transparent way in order to inform consumers what is going on. Disclosure or lack of disclosure in influencer social media posts is a big issue in the U.S. If the post made by the tennis player was not one of the required posts under her endorsement contract, the post was simply one of her many day-to-day posts and happened to include a shot of the energy drink, the company would not have had reviewed the post, nor would the company have directed the content of the post in any way. Santiago, does this lack of editorial direction or control by company remove the disclosure requirement in Latin America? Yes, it could. It could, and that's one of the issues that people have, let's say, criticized the guides that, that we have, for example, in Colombia, because there's a lot of organic posts today where influencers and musicians, athletes say, you just pay me, but I, I do what I want. So they both of them were procured, so you would, wouldn't have to do the disclose. So you just gave the point. That's the issue. It's going to change probably and very soon. Carolina, what about in Europe? In Europe, we also have uh, disclosure requirements. The protection of consumers is uh, very high. The standards are very, very high, in particular in countries such as Germany, Spain, and, and France in particular. Therefore, it is required that the tennis player, in this case, disclose that uh, it is advertisement. And there are some guides from, in particular, the Surface Standard Association. In the case of Spain, uh, it's named Auto Control with uh, the specific guides that it has to be followed for this disclosure. For example, it was considered that including ad as such, it was not sufficient because the Spanish average consumer does not understand properly this expression and it is required to include publicidad or an expression that it is fully understood by an average Spanish uh, consumer. As long as there is a consideration, it is considered advertising. Any consideration that can be back or an expensive back or a hundred thousand euro. I mean, it, it is also price or just something. Like a free gift. Yes, a free gift. So if the company in our hypothetical was supplying the tennis player with free energy drinks, there should be a disclosure, even if the post was not a contractual post? Yeah, I think this is still uh, unclear. 
and mm -hmm. it would have to be decided probably by, by the courts, and it's a very yeah. interesting point. And, and the, the issue here is it's different in many countries. So what happens when one company has one social media account where they broadcast to a hundred different countries? How are they going to fulfill all the requirements of country by country by country? Because you cannot advertising publicia. Then you have to do it in French or then in Italian, and then yeah, it, it's gonna there has ha, something has to happen because social media doesn't have the blocks or or the localization yeah. that local law has in each country. So yeah. It's a real challenge to localize the advertising campaigns mm -hmm. per each jurisdiction, which is very costly for, for the brands. Let me add another element to my hypothetical. The tennis player's organic Instagram post includes the following caption. The energy drink gives me all the energy I need to get me through a grueling match. There's no substantiation to back up this claim. In the U.S., Although this claim is included in the tennis player's organic post, and the tennis player may have posted this spontaneously without any input from the energy drink maker, the energy drink maker would be subject to potential liability for the unsubstantiated claim included in this post. The tennis player could also be held liable for making such a claim. How does it work in Latin America? Would the company be liable for the tennis player's unsubstantiated claim? So the possibility, I think that the energy company being liable it shouldn't be so high. Why? Because it will be a third party doing so, so in this. If you consider that the company is liable, so a company will be liable for anything that consumers do or post, even if they don't control it, even if they don't ask it. So if tennis player, because he wants to and he feels so, he wants to make that post and he wants to say, oh, with this energy drink, I can win XYZ a tournament and he's doing it without being paid on anything, the possibility that the energy drink is being liable under that facts, I think it's rather low. What about in Europe? In the US, the energy drink maker should monitor the tennis player's social media activity and take action if the tennis player is posting claims about the energy drink that cannot be substantiated. This is true even if the company is not sharing it or reposting it to the company's own social channels. I will speak about, about Spain because the European law is not completely harmonized in this regard. First, the claim must be substantiated. And if it's not accurate and if there is a commercial purpose, it may raise liability. However, in my opinion, if there is not a contractual relationship, the brand should not be liable because it does not have any control and therefore there is not negligence. As far as I know, there is not an obligation to monitor what the users uh, can do in the internet regarding the brand. But now imagine, because I think Karina and I, we, we have very similar positions, but imagine that, so the company is not liable because of what third parties do, but next the company starts taking advantage of that post. And people start saying, oh, this product has XYZ objectives and they keep silence and they don't do anything to correct the person and they start for example inducing indirectly consumers possibly the liabilities could start to open so directly they shouldn't be liable but if start being the word that Karina used was perfect start being negligent yes. and mm -hmm. taking advantage of that post and taking advantage for example commercially saying oh yeah he said so and they start to win consumers possibly 
the liability door could open. If the company starts making an association with this information mm -hmm. in this event, it may be liable because this will entail this may entail liability because it's making a commercial use. Mm -hmm. We advertising lawyers operate in the gray area all the time. And evaluating potential legal risks for conducting social media campaigns with global influencers is especially complex and unclear in so many ways. Before we end this podcast, I'd like to ask each of you to share a couple of tips for brands brave enough to engage in such global marketing campaigns to mitigate their risk. I would say transparency, veracity, compliance with the regulation, because in particular regarding functional claims or laudatory claims, the consumer's protection is, is very high and it is important to verify or to make this clearance uh, before launching the, the campaign. And of course, to have a right contract to control the, the influencer. Yeah, very similar to what Karina said. Transparency, uh, veracity, sufficiency. Be straightforward normally with consumers, even though advertisement is, let's say, the art or, or science, whatever, however you want to see it, that wants to sell magic to people. It's something that is bigger than that is without consumers every time are more capable. Consumers every time know more their rights. Consumers every time are more critical with companies that don't give them information as it should be. So being straightforward with consumers, protecting their rights and following the checklist. So treat consumers with respect. Every consumer today has its own TV channel. Sometimes one consumer, a very known consumer, could have more power and could have more reach than the biggest channel in the world. Why? Because it's post went viral. So you don't know where the liability, you don't know where the problem, you don't know which consumer, which claim, would have brand issue that is negative to reputation. So times have changed and with everybody having a cell phone in their hands, their ability to talk about the brands, to make a claim or just to complain are the day-to-day. -day. So brands have to be every day more careful. Thank you, Santiago and Carolina, for taking this time to dive into the challenges and opportunities, as well as the legal issues and risks that come from working with global influencers and global social media marketing campaigns. And thank you, listeners, for joining us once again for this episode of Perfect Balance, an advertising law podcast from Manat. As this is the last podcast of 2022, I'd like to especially thank you for tuning in over this past year. We have exciting content lined up for the new year, and we look forward to continuing to bring you engaging conversations in 2023. Happy New Year! Thank you for joining us for this episode of Perfect Balance, an advertising law podcast from Manat. The views expressed on the podcast reflect the personal views and opinions of the participants and are not intended to constitute legal advice or counsel under any circumstance. Downloading and listening to this recording do not result in the formation of an attorney-client or other business relationship. 
You should not act on any information in the podcast without seeking the advice of a competent attorney licensed to practice in your jurisdiction.